Welcome back to the trade. I'm Gina Beck. This is Drew Williams. Thank you for listening, liking, commenting, and subscribing. We appreciate y'all, especially the reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really means a lot. Yeah, and like always, thank you again for the continued support, the continued engagement, and the hashtag banana cats. Thank you guys. How are you, Drew? I'm good, G. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, excited to jump into this podcast. While you guys are listening to this, I think I'll be in Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that you'll be in Vegas by then. She's she's out traveling the world again, out on adventures, doing some photography, videography. Um, it'll be it'll be a blast. I'm excited to tell you guys about it when I get back. Yeah, I'm excited for you. You should have a blast. You're getting all over the West Coast again too, so. Uh, so should I start or should you? I think we have a few things to talk about, but mo- mostly this is a casual cast. Uh, we're just kind of winging it. Let uh, Remember that first one that you told me about, the one that was a little less uh, controversial, the one about the uh, purchasing stuff? Oh, right. Yeah, well, this, I it caught my eye because it's very interesting. It's good to see two worlds merge together. I feel like this is what this is about. The FBI paid a nonprofit organization focused on unmasking child predators $250,000 for access to a series of hacking tools. According to public you know, records viewed by the motherboard, the news provides more insight into how the FBI obtained some of its hacking tools, or so-called network investigative techniques, NITs is what they call it. The contract also highlights the close relationship between private parties and the FBI when hacking suspects. Facebook, for example, previously bought a hacking tool for for the FBI to use to unmask one of the social networks, users who was aggressively targeting minors on the platform, which is interesting to know that they use stuff like that. Well, the record says the FBI's Child Exploitation Operational Unit, CEOU, is purchasing a net of NITs. The contract dates from June 2020. The NITs have been demonstrated for OTD and CEOU and which have the capability, if activated, of providing the true internet address of the subject. The product description continues referring to the Operational Technology Division, a part of the FBI that carries out hacking operations. Latter half of the product description is cut off, but reads in part of providing the true internet address of the subject, even when hidden. Um, So presumably referring to whether the target is behind a proxy or some kind of network. And the nonprofit that the FBI paid for the NIT is called the Innocent Lives Foundation. I don't, have you heard of them? No, I haven't heard of that, but I'm definitely going to look a little more into that. Right. We unmask anonymous child predators to help bring them to justice. The organization website reads, we use open source intelligence gathering methods to identify child predators. Once we have gathered the appropriate amount of information to confirm the identification of the predator, that file is then submitted to law enforcement. The ILF includes a board of directors, various corporate roles, such as a chief operating officer and a number of volunteers who are accepted by invitation only. The website reads, in 2019, hacking conference DerbyCon selected the ILF as one of the featured nonprofits of the conference and provided the charity with more than 25800 in donations. U.S. law enforcement umbrella term of the network investigative technique has previously 
encompassed a wide range of different technologies and uh, approaches in some investigations. NIT has referred to a booby-trapped Word document that once opened phone home to an FBI controller server revealing the person's IP address at the higher end of the FBI has deployed non-public exploits that break through the security protections of the Tor browser. In a phone call with Motherboard, Chris Hangney, founder, executive director, and board member of the ILF, declined to specify what sort of tool the NITs were being used or developed. Uh, NIT itself or source them from another party at one point a company that sources zero day exploits and then sells them to governments offered $80,000 for an attack targeting Firefox, which the Tor browser is based on. That company is very intelligent and it later provided a Firefox exploit to an offensive customer. A law enforcement agency deployed it to visitors of a dark web child abuse site. Um, I guess it's just something that is has been used since 2015, and the um, FBI hacked over 80,000 computers in 120 countries based on one warrant alone. Some judges threw out evidence uh, in certain cases as they ruled the judge who signed the warrant did not have the authority to do so. But it has worked in many other cases, it's saying, and as well as recovering 351 children according to a report from the Department of Justice office, which is great to hear. I think, <clears throat> I don't re recognize the name, but I believe the people that we're talking about, they have to be involved with. Do you remember we talked about a link called Pedomap that was up for a few days and you could go to it and it would track IP addresses of people downloading stuff from known dark web places for CP? They actually yeah. shut it down publicly um, about three or four days after we put that episode out. And they said they were starting to work with law enforcement. So I'm thinking I'm going to have to dig into it. I bet you that's the same group of people because that's what they were working on was things that was tracking IPs, breaking down VPNs. When they say proxy, they're talking about VPNs. Um, mm. So that's really interesting. Um, that's that's awesome. It's cool. Like you said, the merging of two worlds is stuff that uh, – it's good to see, especially when you think of like uh, channels like Mama Max, who is exactly. the other side of it. And like we need we, we the community needs more people like this because the problem is here on the Web. And we need people that understand this far more than most teams do. Mm. Mama Max is exactly who I thought about when I saw this. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, I In my head, I hope that he listens. I don't know if he did more than the episode we talked about him, but I love him. This uh, this doesn't necessarily have to do with picking up IT equipment or new people to go after these guys, but this is a uh, this is a little little concerning. This comes uh, from a website called InsightCrime.org. It was reported March sixteenth. Uruguay remains hub for trafficking women to Europe, and Uruguay is a South American country. The south eastern tip of South America, um, just above Argentina. A collaborative effort by authorities in Uruguay and Spain to dismantle an international sex trafficking network reveals that South American country remains a source of women trafficked to Europe. In late February, Uruguay's Ministry of Foreign Affairs announced that an Interpol operation 
has succeeded in dismantling a network that trafficked at least 29 women to Spain since 2017. The women reported being held captive, captive and exploited sexually, according to Interpol. The operation involved six simultaneous raids across Uruguay and Spain, three taking place at residences in Montevideo, Uruguay's capital. The other raids took place in Spain, two in the city of Guadalajara and one in the estate in Alcala de Jarnares. Eight people, five in Spain, three in Uruguay, have been arrested on charges of participating in human trafficking network. Four were women and seven were of Uruguayan nationality. The women who were trafficked, authorities said, were coerced with false job opportunities in Spain. But once they arrived at the estate, they were forced into prostitution to pay off travel, room, and board, and debts demanded by the traffickers. The tactic is a common human trafficking method, the article goes on to say. While Uruguay has traditionally been praised for maintaining some of the region's lowest crime rates, it has failed to root out human trafficking. Back in 2010, United Nations Representative Joy Goza Izelio warned that Uruguay had become an origin, transit, and destination country for human trafficking. The following year, in 2011, Uruguay issued a publication for all its embassies on how to detect and combat human trafficking. While there have been some improvements over the past decade, human trafficking continues to, to be a challenge for the country, as illustrated by the U.S. State Department's 2020 Trafficking, trafficking in Person Report. In its report, the U.S. State Department once again ranked Uruguay as a Tier 2 country, and I'll explain that here in just a second. Starting that while the government has demonstrated an effort to combat human trafficking, it still fails to meet the established minimum standards. Among the issues cited are failure by law enforcement to proactively identify victims, inadequate victim services, and lack of comprehensive data. In regards to prosecution, the TIP report recognizes an increase in conviction rates of traffickers, something Uruguay was criticized for previous years. In 2019, Uruguayan government reported convicting eight human traffickers compared to none the previous year. Meanwhile, between 2014 and 2019, Uruguay only sentenced five people on human trafficking charges, according to the U.S. Embassy at the Capitol. Prior to 2015, Uruguay was on TIP's Tier 2 watch list on the brink of falling into the lowest category. According to Interpol, Uruguay's location on the Atlantic coast makes it particularly attractive to transnational criminal organizations looking to transit people. Meanwhile, a 2020 report, Owner, Owners of People, People with Owners, published by El Paso, a Uruguayan non-government organization, indicated that structural Inequalities and discrimination are also factors that make women in the country vulnerable to victimization. The El Paso report highlights that 17% of Uruguayan human trafficking victims go abroad, primarily to Spain and Italy. Now, when they're talking about these tier two, tier three countries, this is something that comes out of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act that was passed in 2020 in the UN. And a tier one is a country whose government fully complies with the minimum standards. A tier two is one that does not comply with all the st minimum standards, but are making significant efforts to kind of be in compliance with those standards. Then there's a tier two watch list, which these countries whose government do not fully comply to the standards, but are making significant 
efforts to bring themselves to the tier two. Um, and then there's tier three, which did basically no help from the government at all to combat it. So these, all these type of things goes back into your first article. They're using those same type of tools to track humans, track people, track the data. It's good to see that it's, a. Uh, not just going on in the U.S. It's a world worldwide effort because it is a problem, and it's not always children. It's always not always Epstein's Island. It's most of the time shitty drug cartels pushing women. That's the sad reality, and most people don't seem to care. Yeah, big facts, and it's scary. It's scary out there. I mean that. I, you covered everything. I don't really even have to say anything when it comes to that. But what you said is a great segue into what I want to talk about, which is a bill imposing strict punishments for child sex offenders. And it passes Arizona House. Um, it's on its way to the Senate, is what it says. It's a bill that comes on the heels of the Save Our Children campaign. We kind of spoke about it, I feel like, uh, some episodes ago. But it now is the next step. Now is an update, right? So um, here it says that the hashtag that dominated much of social media last year, HB 2889, would create a no-nonsense approach to child sex crimes in Arizona. Right now in Arizona, a convicted child sex offender could face anywhere from 10 to 20 years in prison, and some have the option of probation. Well, 2889 gets rid of that. Well, they're wanting to get rid of that. Here it states, you've ruined people's lives. There should be no getting out early for anything, says bill sponsor Rep. Leo, a Republican from Lake Havasu City. Someone convicted of producing or distributing pornography of a child 12 years of age or younger would serve life without parole as well as someone convicted of sex trafficking. An exception would be instances of statutory rape where an 18 or 19-year-old has sex with someone under the age of consent. If the bill becomes law rep, Leo says Arizona will have some of the strictest sex offender laws in the country. The bill passed the House 51 to 1, with the rep Pamela Powers Austin being the lone opposing lawmaker. Justin, justice is not blind or colorblind in the United States, and so mandatory sentencing is a part of the problem. If we had a fair justice system, then the population in prison would look more like the population of the country, and that's not the case, said Rep. Austin. In the next few weeks, the bill will go to Senate. And hopefully we have a good update then as well. Hopefully. Yeah, Arizona's a pretty cool state. They seem to hate chomos. Um, you can have all the guns you want, and they got wreckweed. Sounds good. <laughs> right, and it's a start, right? It's a start. So hopefully other areas take notes just like usually it's a it's a domino effect start somewhere and then it gradually becomes a thing in more and more places and then it just can't be ignored it, it just really can't if enough people agree and get on board hopefully slowly but surely things lead into that direction because it's really it just seems like more and more more and more stories about the most horrendous things come out every day and it's never going to stop, but more and more people need to be aware so that they can take action into being able to get people like that to have punishment to where it can be stopped or at least, you know, not as many people want to do it because the crimes are so horrendous. I mean, it's sad to say that, but the, the, 
the time that these people do, it definitely stops them in their tracks from doing the horrendous crime. I mean, you you steal a car and you go on a car chase. How long are you in prison for? Longer than a child predator, that's for sure. How many car chases happen? We don't see that very often. So, just saying. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, hopefully that domino effect, it just takes that one time. And maybe the the big push in Arizona will push other places. I'm sure my state will have a problem with everything because it seems to be going backwards when it comes to that stuff. But, you know, times, things can change. Um, And this is a, this is a good update. We're definitely going to keep on top of this. Yeah. We just got to keep being loud about it and keep talking about it. And hopefully more and more people talk about it. And if you're listening to this and, you know, even if you don't want to share, even if you don't want to put this on your social media anywhere, our episode, Maybe in person at a lunch or when you're talking to a friend on the phone, let them know that you don't got to listen to us, but just spread it by, by word, word of mouth. Just let your people know what you heard on the betrayed. They don't have to come listen. And yeah, yeah, you don't have, they don't have to come listen. We always provide links to the articles that we talk about down below. So if you're afraid, like they don't want to listen to a podcast or just some random people on YouTube, (laughs) we we do provide sources so if you want to go that route we're all we're we're not here to get the podcast out we're here to get the word out and get things changed that's the main goal right and we fact check everything we don't like to put anything out that's wrong we don't like to give false information that's that's on us if you guys spread false information so we don't want that so everything that we talk about is always in the description and Thank you guys. Thank you guys if you are spreading the, the awareness because it's definitely stuff that needs to be known by everybody. Absolutely. And just listening and talking about really does help more than people realize just getting the conversation started. It's an uncomfortable conversation. And I'm sure Gina runs into this more often since we've gone so full force at this. You, It makes people uncomfortable, but you can get a long conversation going if you get the right group of people together because most people hate weirdos yeah i mean i met a new friend uh so spontaneous and random it was my uber driver he was giving me a ride from jenna's house to the airport we sparked conversation just talking about what we do and what we have done and he travels he's he says his favorite place is like japan and tokyo and he goes to all these different places and i was like oh i go to different places too but you know, it can be for pleasure, but sometimes it's for catching predators. And he's like, oh, no way. And it sparked up a whole conversation of like how the world is right now. We talked about like our country. We talked about what we're dealing with, with the pandemic and how people are at home and getting abused every day, potentially more and more than they would if they were going to school or, you know, just, just stuff like that. And it was really nice to have that conversation with someone who had no idea what I do, had, doesn't never watched, and also had like a great insight and was able to tell his own stories from traveling. It was really, it was really cool. And there's people out there that would love to have conversations like that and not make it weird. You know, it's not we don't we need to quit making it like it's a bad thing to talk about. I can't help myself. I gotta plug things. this. If you want to, <laughs> if you want a conversation starter. Go to official hardcore on Instagram and go get one of his kill all pedophile shirts or dead pedophiles don't reoffend. Half the room will feel very uncomfortable and the other room will love it. 
it's a great way to get things going. It's a, uh, it, it does make people uncomfortable, but I love those shirts. We'll link that in the description as well, so it's easy for you to find. But those shirts are definitely the best. You gotta, you gotta grab yourself one. And we're not sponsored or anything. We just, we love the dude who, <laughs> who's behind the shirt. <laughs> oh, and his, and all the money from those shirts actually goes to his five hundred one c three for missing exploited women and children. So it does actually go for. It's a double good cause. So, we'll yeah, he does a like lot it. of great things. He he feeds uh, the homeless, right? Uh, pretty regular, I think, at least once a week or something like he that. He takes donations to feed them, also. Yeah, he does. He's he's a he's a superman. That guy's a he's, yeah. he's something else. So, if you want to donate for him to uh, feed the homeless or for the t-shirts, we're gonna link all of that below. Absolutely. And I think we'll end it there. Thank you for listening, liking, commenting, and subscribing. Until next time, banana cats. Love y'all. Banana cats. Much love. Peace. <laughs>